How many of you have ever participated in a class that required you to watch an instructor and do what the instructor was doing? So that could be uh, line dancing, that could be cooking, that could be those art things, you know, where you draw the, the portrait, and by the way, I will never do that again. Um, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Uh, or martial arts. This is the one that I relate to is martial arts. <clears throat> so <clears throat> here's the interesting thing I see in martial arts classes all the time. There's a class full of people. There's an instructor. The instructor does the demonstration. It looks beautiful, flawless, effortless, and very effective. And then you break up into partner pairs. And that's where the fun begins. Because you're trying to do what the instructor does, but you don't have the experience or the knowledge. And it gets even better than that. Not only are we not that good at it, but then your partner has some, oh, I saw this on YouTube. Let's try this. Oh, you know, when I do this, I do this with my two months of experience, right? Yeah, the instructor has like 20 years, but I've got two months of experience that I, oh, I got a thing I want to show you. And it just devolves. And if you never look back at the instructor, if you never pay attention to what the instructor is doing, it's just a mess. And not only is it a mess, but you can get hurt. Ask me how I know, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a bad deal. We have to constantly look back at that instructor to get the real deal. And it's different when you learn for knowledge versus when you learn to do. Would you agree with that? In other words, if I just want to be able to talk about line dancing or art or martial arts, that's one thing. But if I want to do it, that's a whole nother deal, right? And it's a lot harder. So there's an element of learning that takes place that is different between knowledge and doing. And that's what I want to talk about primarily today, is the difference between uh, knowing and doing. So when I look at the, the instructor example, the, the best way that I can get good quick is to constantly source back to the original. Right? If I constantly go back to the, that instructor, I look at that demonstration, I talk with that instructor, uh, maybe if I'm really... <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm really desperate, I ask for a private lesson so that I can actually pick up what they're doing and, and it makes sense. That's great. Uh, and that's probably the quickest way to get better quick. But I have to go back to the source. So when we talk about doing life, when we talk about a place that life is different, who is the instructor? See, I'm, see, I'm throwing softballs out there. Yes, Jesus, absolutely. Home run. So, Jesus, how do we continue to go back to the source? Because what I find is that the more I try to follow Jesus, the more frustrated I become. Has anybody had this experience? Because, Jesus, look, I'm doing everything you said I should do. I'm forgiving. So, why do I feel so bitter? Jesus, I'm loving people, but they're not changing. Isn't that frustrating? It's annoying. Because the more I love, the more I feel like they should change. If Jesus can save the world, why can't my love modeling change that person? Frustrating, right? But what's happened here? What's happened here is that I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and the way that Jesus loves, and I've started to do it my way with my vast experience, right? That's what we're going to talk about today because we, we say that this is a place where life is different, but man, is it? It's hard. It's hard to be different in the world. And I, as I look at people who are Jesus followers, who I know are Jesus followers, now I'm not talking about words or people. I'm talking about other people who say they're Jesus followers. <laughs> Work with me. Uh, and we go through life. I don't really see too much difference between us and the world. 
but I think I should. And that's what's missing. So that's what I want to talk about today. And what we're going to do is, if you're playing the home game, we're going to be in uh, Ephesians in chapter 5. And if you want to uh, pull that up in your screen, in your Bible, whatever you use, we're going to be in Ephesians. <laughs> that's a snack. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 7. And let me give you a little bit of background as, we're, as you're finding your place there. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is, a, is a, an odd bird. Ephesus is home to one of the seven wonders of the world. One of those wonders of the world, oh, hey, we're live. Outstanding. This worked in practice, I swear. Right. All right, so uh, Ephesus is home to one of the seven wonders of the world. So I think I've got it now. Yes, there we go. This is the Temple of Artemis. Now, Artemis was a goddess of the hunt. So she was always pictured uh, with bow and arrows and was supposed to be very adept at hunting. Uh, she was also the goddess of chastity. So she protected her own chastity and protected those of her followers as well. So much so that when people crossed her priestesses, they wound up missing, <laughs> if you know what I mean. They were on the hit list, if you will. Uh, how else can I say this? Uh, you don't want to mess with a woman who specializes in hunting. I'm just saying, that's bad planning, right? Don't mess with the goddess of the hunt, all right? So uh, this, is, this is what makes this all the more um, filled with irony, because you've got the temple devoted to the goddess of the hunt and chastity, but what Ephesus was doing with that temple was anything but chaste, if you get my meaning. Uh, they had some pretty wild parties and a different idea of religion. So... Paul is writing to them, and this is what he has to say because he, <clears throat> he knows he's planted good doctrine in these churches. He knows that the people know what they're supposed to do, but the problem is they've taken their eyes off the instructor, and they're doing what culture around them is doing. So now we're ready to hear the words that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And here's what he says. He says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. These are the words of God, and they are for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. Do you see the irony, the goddess that is all about chastity? And Paul saying, stop doing that stuff. Stop even, stop even talking about that stuff. Now, there's a lot to chew on here, but what I really want to do is I just want to take apart a little bit of it because uh, I could be here all day, but we've got a ministry fair coming up and a new schedule. So I'm going to follow my own lead and be brief. I know, contain your excitement, right? So what I'm really going to do is focus in on verses 1 and 2 today. And, and that's where it says, be imitators of God. We're going to pick out three steps that we can apply in this. And here's the first. Follow God's example. 
In other words, look at the instructor and see what God did. And if you want to see how that looks in human form, look at what Christ did. Hebrews 12, uh, 2 and 3 gives us some great advice. It says to fix our eyes on Jesus. Do you know what it is to fix your eyes on someone? How many people have ever played blinking contest, right? Whoever blinks first loses. That's fixing your eyes on Jesus. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, not only do we get the right thing to do, but look at what else it says. So that we don't grow weary or lose heart. Those are the two biggest obstacles that I see to Christian living. Some people just get tired of it. Like I said before, I'm loving these people. Why aren't they changing? I'm forgiving. Why am I still bitter? I get weary and I go, you know what? This isn't working. I'm done. And I quit. I lose heart. So continually fixing our eyes on Jesus, continually going back to the instructor, and not just knowing what he said, but studying how he did. Just like you're looking at that line dance instructor. Yeah, you can say all the lines, you can sing all the songs, but can you do the moves? So you got to look at Jesus' moves, and then you can live like Jesus. The second thing that we would highlight is as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, kids, you may not understand exactly what it means to be a dearly loved child. Where I find that that comes into play is when you become a parent and you dearly love a child. And you begin to understand things like, uh, man, I want my child to know that they're loved and accepted. Because if they don't get it from me, they're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff to get accepted in the world. We call that peer pressure, right? They'll do some crazy stuff in school with their friends. Uh, you can just imagine some of the things that are out there if they don't get love and acceptance at home first. So I want my kids to know that they're loved and accepted because they don't need to look anywhere else. They know who they are. They know whose they are. And they don't need to impress any friend by doing anything untoward out in that world. They're my child. That's the way God feels. He wants us to know, you are my child. You don't need to look for love and acceptance anywhere but through me. You're a daughter or a son of the Most High God. What more do you need? I can't imagine, but it's easy to forget that. So know first, you are a dearly loved child of God. And then in turn, we love our children dearly so that they know they're loved and accepted. The other thing that it says, uh, these dearly loved children know that their parents have their best in mind. Now, this is where the parent thing comes in, right? When I was a kid, I had rules. Like, I had to be home at a certain time. I could only go so far from home. I could, you know, all these rules. I thought, man, my, my parents are the biggest killjoys in the world. As I became a parent and I had children who I started to enforce rules with, I began to understand that it's not because I'm trying to kill their joy. It's because I care about them. I, I want you to be home because nothing good happens after midnight. By the way, that's true for adults too, right? <laughs> I want you to, to you know, follow the rules of the road because I want you to be safe. I care about you. That's why I give you rules. And so if we know that we are a beloved child of God, a dearly loved child of God, and God says to do something, then we can understand that it's because God loves us and cares for us that he gives us rules. So it becomes a little easier to obey. A little easier to obey. Not easy. This is difficult stuff. So know that we are dearly loved. And look, if you want to twist your mind a little bit, 
Look at everybody around you as a dearly loved child. Not your dearly loved child. God's dearly loved child. And finally, live a life of love. And this is where it gets different. This is where life gets different. Because we can come and we can study the Bible all day. We can know where Scripture is. We can quote Scripture. We can memorize Scripture. None of that's a bad thing. I'm not saying this is bad. But I'm saying if we stop there and we never get to doing what it says, we've missed the biggest piece. We've missed what it is to live a life of love like Christ. Now, the question becomes, how did Christ love? Well, you might recall that Christ died. Christ's love is a self-sacrificial love. Here's the thing. A, a love that dies lives. Think about that for a second. A love that dies lives. A love that dies to self, a love that dies to what I want, the way I think the world should be and submits to the love of God is a love that will live forever. His promise says that in numerous places. But I have to get out of the way with my stuff to let his stuff come through. A love that dies lives. Now, the converse of that is a love that never dies. If I never die to self, if it's always about me, a, a love that never dies is a love that won't last. That's the problem I see in the world, is that we're all about us and what we want. And when it doesn't work out, we just cancel. It's cancel culture, and we're including love in that. How tragic. So what do we do? Well, it's time to apply. It's time to look at the master. I'm going to let this sink in for a minute because I know it's kind of hard to see from the back. <laughs> you got to watch the instructor, all right? So that's Jesus with his black belt uh, over Rio de Janeiro, and uh, it, that's what we got to keep our eyes on. We got to fix our eyes on that, not just what he says or the terminology, but how he moves, right? You got to get the moves of Christ down to get this to work. And if we don't do that, like I said before, we miss the biggest piece of it. And it's not just about watching the instructor. It's not just a personal relationship, right? We also have to train with fellow students. That's how you get better. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. Some of them are easy. Some of them are difficult. But we train with them all. Now, I don't know if you can see the picture in the back, this T-shirt that says Jiu-Jitsu with J-E-W. All right. I'll be around all day. Um, <laughs> That's the T-shirt I wanted to give away, but the words are lead team said, no, whatever, right? It says, uh, jujitsu saves, bro, and it's Jesus in a, in a gi. So, yeah, I'll just let that sink in, but I'm going to get a tattoo later. <laughs> That's what we need to do. We need to apply this in order for it to work. We can't just know it. We can't just think it. We actually have to do it. So we look at the instructor regularly. What does that look like at WordSer? Well, we have some options, and today you're in a great place because this is a place where life is different. At the ministry fair, we're going to have options where you can talk to people. There's going to be booths all around the room here. So WordServe is about the word and about serving. That's it in a nutshell. The word is what guides us. It's the, it's the way that we look back at the instructor. The serve is the practice of what we're learning. And if we ever separate those two, we're either going to be really knowledgeable but ineffective people or really serving people that can't link to anything bigger or greater than just 
doing good. Not that that's all bad, but there's a story behind that. And if we don't tell that story, we miss the biggest opportunity to share the love of Christ with the world, the love that saves, bro. Oh, the T-shirt's gone, right. So take a minute, walk around. There's going to be incentives, and I'll talk about all this as we begin to break down for the, uh, the ministry fair. But I don't want us to miss this opportunity because it's not just about knowing. It's about doing. And if we do it the way that Christ did it, we have an opportunity. Now, it does require dying to self. And that doesn't mean that we become a doormat because you look at Jesus' life, goes, well, he just came and he died. That's a suicide mission. That's a pointless life. Folks, Jesus never lived a pointless life. He lived a pointed life. Let me say that again. It was not a pointless life. It was a pointed life. It pointed straight to God. Jesus was not a doormat. It doesn't mean that you just lay down and let people walk all over you and get whatever they want. That's not the love. See, and if we think that, then we've missed it. We need to, to come together and study that and learn how to live it. That's what I'm talking about, life that is different. And it's not something that you just pick up in a single reading. It's not something that you read a book of the Bible and go, I got it, good to go. It's a lifestyle. And we are committed here at WordServe to, to a lifestyle that's different. And it will be frustrating, it will be maddening, but it will also be exhilarating and exciting at the same time. We have an opportunity to share this with the world, and I would love for us today to commit together to living a life that is different, to watching the instructor, to training together. Some of us are going to be great at it. Some of us are going to be terrible at it. Some of us are going to have easy training partners. Some of us are going to have difficult training partners, but everyone has a place in bringing us to the full measure of Christ so that we can one day look just like the instructor. So my plea today, my, my hope for words are, is that we will commit together to that life that is different, that we will follow God's example, that we will know that we're dearly loved children so that we can live a life of love like Christ. Now, if that sounds good to you, then let me be the first to say, welcome home. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the son of your... Uh, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life of love that he lived, the self-sacrificial love, the one that points the way to a life that's different. God, we want that life, but we don't always want what comes with it. So I pray today for courage and strength, not ours and not of our own making, but the courage to follow you wherever you lead because you will lead us in some difficult paths. But if we watch the instructor and we continue our training, we'll start to look more like you. We'll experience the joy of being able to live a life that is different. We'll experience the freedom that you bring. So God, help us as we commit to our training together that we will not abandon you, we will not quit you, because you never quit us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.